0: Next question. Yes. Do you remember his first press secretary? Oh, yes, that poor man. Poor man? He looked like a jerk,
1: a jackass every time he was on TV. What the hell was his name?
0: His name also starts with uh, an S. First and last name. Stephen. No. Saul. (laughs) Sean. Oh, Sean. What's his last name? I don't care. What kinds of uh, things do you add to a dish? Condiments. Something. Sean Condiments. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <no>. Seasoning. <laughs> Sean Seasoning. You're getting close. Parsley. No. Not thyme. Not. <laughs> sage. <laughs> what would all of those things be considered? Parsley, sage, seasoning, thyme. Seasoning. Herbs. Spices.
1: Oh, Sean Spicer.
0: Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? The yum's the word. It was started by a bird My name is Robin And her hair has lots of curls Actually, I blow it out a lot stories, some Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend Pretty funny and absurd Like your boss tickling your side boob So welcome all you nerds And cool people too This is for everyone Except kids
1: Yum's the
0: word Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. And I'm Alex Fulton. And at the top, you heard Auntie talking about the original Trump press secretary, Saul Schwartz. Saul Schwartz. How are you? It's very nice <laughs> to see you. <laughs> Bernie, put down the poor <laughs> Alex and I are going to have a lot of fun today because, well, we always have a lot of fun, but I'm particularly particularly excited because here in the booth, I am surrounded by some incredible musical instruments.
2: <laughs> I made the mistake of leaving the uh, auxiliary percussion bag in the
0: booth. That's right. And <laughs> I am having a... Field a fiesta. day back here. A damn fiesta. It, it is a with fucking a fiesta. fiesta. Maracas. <laughs> 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 so we're going to have a lot of fun on this episode because the uh, theme... For the night from which these stories were drawn is not particularly fun. Uh, it's all about Trump, but that's okay because you know he's pretty he's pretty laughable. But anyway, going back to Sean Spicer, I have to admit that I only miss him because I miss Melissa McCarthy doing spicy. Those were some great segments. Yeah, totally. She was phenomenal in that role. Anyway, we've got more from Auntie about Trump's current press secretary a little later in the episode. And she's going to share the secret ingredient on KFC's menu. What could it be? I don't know. I'll just have to stay tuned. Now, on the heels of the one-year anniversary of Trump's inauguration and the one-year anniversary of the Women's March, today we're featuring stories inspired by our Cheeto in Chief. These stories were told at our November show, where the theme of the night, as I mentioned earlier, was I Scream Stories from the Trump Era. All right, first up is Anita Flores. Anita has been featured on Above Average, Buzzfeed, and is one of the hosts of the storytelling show, Party of Two. This is her story about one of the first drastic measures she took as soon as Trump was elected.
3: So, it's it was a year ago, which is crazy. Well, well okay, for me, the tough day, actually, I think for everyone, it was a tough day. It was uh, the night of, you know election results night I remember it as if it were a year ago um, you know I think for me as a newly 30 year old um, this was my JFK assassination and when I say that I mean I was sad and I can tell you exactly what I was doing and what I was wearing like, minute by minute um, so I was at work uh, after I you know I went to vote Um, No one look at their time half today. It's the saddest thing in the world. Because you just look at the first half of the day, and everyone's excited, and they have their stickers on, and then at the end, everyone's just, like, drunk and or sad. Um, So um, I was supposed to go to Hillary Clinton's, like, you know, acceptance party at the Javits Center. That's what I was supposed to do uh, last year. And I guess my friends just... Trusted the system less than I did because I was supposed to go with some friends and they decided they didn't want to go, so I didn't go either. So I went to an election party, which is just whoever has the biggest TV, you go to their house. Yeah. And so I did. Uh, so <laughs> fast forward to 10:37 p.m. I want to just read you a text message exchange I had with my roommate Jenna. This is me. I said, "We are doomed. I am drunk." She said, the ship is sinking, both ships. Drunk is mandatory. (laughs) I said, let's get high until we die. (laughs) He did, we didn't die, but I did wake up at 6 a.m. with a near panic attack and just all the worst headlines that we all saw at 6 a.m. So at the worst time possible, as this is happening, I'm also finishing uh, The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) you know, because I like to read books only when I know they're coming out as a TV series. Um, So I was reading it. Um, I was panicking, much like every other woman. Uh, And so after I read The Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale, I decided that I was going to get an IUD. Now, I am (laughs) not a person that loves pain. I mean, I cry when I, I think somebody doesn't like me, you know? So, like, me getting an IUD was, like, an impossibility at any other time, but not at this moment. So, I decided I was going to do it. I made an appointment, um, and I was very nervous about it because when I asked my gynecologist about it, she just said, there'll be some discomfort, which is so vague that I didn't believe her. So, um, fortunately, uh, I was scheduled to have this IUD The day, like the Monday after the Women's March in DC, which I went to, and I thought, where can I find thousands of women to ask uh, how painful is an IUD? It's the Women's March in DC. One of the Greatest days of my life was that March. It just felt like like the perfect cross between a bachelorette party and a bridal shower. <laughs> yeah. There was no alcohol, but like all we're all just all the women are just screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs, and like our feet really hurt by the end of the day. It was just like a nice cross between everything, and we're all best friends. I mean, you know, as soon as I started talking to someone else, asking them about their IUD, a str- another stranger walks into the conversation and is like. One woman said, it was the most painful thing I've ever ex- experienced, but it was worth it. And this sounds strangely like the way people describe, describe childbirth to me. <laughs> and then uh, another woman said to me, who was you know about 10 years older than me, she said, wow, you know, I wish I had had an IED 10 years ago. Instead, now I just have a kid. <laughs> and that was all I needed." <laughs> Uh, So I did not chicken out, and on the day of that I was going to get this IUD, I was very nervous, and all your doctor tells you to do is take some ibuprofen, which is, you know, bullshit. It's not going to do anything. So I decided to take matters into my own hands. Um, I had some leftover pain medication from a previous surgery. It was either oxycodone or oxycodone, whichever is the gateway to heroin, I don't know. so I took some of that, and then I smoked just a lot of weed, and keep in mi- and then I hopped on the train. And keep in mind, it was 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. So, you know, I'm sure it made for, like, a really great, uh, just entertaining read for anyone who was watching me on the train, because that's just a fun thing to do when you're on the train in New York, is to figure out what drugs people are on, you know? So... On this, you know, 40-minute ride, uh, I got, I became inspired possibly by the mix of drugs I was on to write down some mantras because I was starting to get very nervous. You know, I, I deal with anxiety, and, you know, the closer I got, the more just sick to my stomach I was getting. So I thought, why don't I just come up with some nice, encouraging things I can say to myself as I'm just in that doctor's room. So I have those for you um, <laughs> when I wrote in that um really great state of mind I was in. And this is just in order of just what was going on in my head. Um, And so I've made a title for it and everything. This is just exactly from that date. Uh, Mantras you can do while you're getting your IUD inserted. (laughs) I'm not pregnant. You want a baby? Is that what you want? (laughs) It's worth the pain. You know how lucky you are? You fucking selfish bitch! (laughs) At this point it's just a train of thought, you know? (laughs) You want to end up like Zoe. Zoe is my friend who I love, who is like on her second baby, but at the time she had an oops baby, which is a really cute way of saying uh, nobody was wearing protection and she did have a baby. And at the time she was the only person I knew that had a baby. So I didn't want to end up like Zoe. And then my last mantra was, you want to have to buy all new clothes, because I'm very cheap, and you know, maternity clothes and all of that. Um, So these are all the things I said to myself and wrote down on the way to this IUD. Uh, And when I got to the doctor's office, to my gynecologist, you know, she sat me down, went through what was going to happen. I wasn't really listening, and then I asked her, is there, do you have any just, do you have any anesthesia just like lying around? And I, she chuckled, she Aww. chuckled, because you know, there is no anesthesia. They don't have it lying around. But I think they should. Um, so I didn't get that. And so uh, what proceeded truly was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. It only lasted about a minute. And I can't tell you exactly what happened, but it just felt like everything was being pulled out of me. Now, a better way to describe it is eventually I found an article from Cosmo titled, Here's What an IOD Really Feels Like, and it's like 19 quotes from women. And one woman said, it felt like my cervix was getting tasered. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. and so you know as doctors do during procedures and i feel like women go through this more than men we go through so many procedures and so many terrible things can happen in the female reproductive system that generally anything i've had had done a biopsy surgery anything past years the doctor is like talking through it as it's happening but it's not particularly helpful when you're in the worst pain of your life so she was like describing to me what was going on and i just i think just screamed through it it was over. I survived. Um, and so I thought very uh, well, silly, that's not a word. I thought very foolishly that I would like take the train home. No, no, no. You you shouldn't do that. You should take an Uber. And so when I left, I, I called an Uber, but I couldn't like really walk. So I don't know if the camera's going to get this, but essentially I was waiting for my Uber just squatting for about 12 minutes, and I really think people probably thought I was just about to take a shit on 3rd Avenue but what's so beautiful about New York is like no one even stops, you know, because it's New York like we've all seen someone shit on 3rd Avenue so it was just like a beautiful New York moment, in general I love when people just lose their minds and have nervous breakdowns and cry in public and everyone just gives them their space, just like, you know, only in New York, you know? Um, So I took an Uber home and I didn't uh, go to work that day. I laid down and I watched, I think, you know, at least a full season of the X-Files. There's nine seasons, two movies, and now a new reboot. So it's just a great thing to watch when you're like, immobile. So then um, I I lay there for probably four hours and then I get a call from my boyfriend who said, are you ready? It's um, it's time for like your surprise. And I forgot that about two weeks before I made this appointment, he had asked me what I was doing on January 21st or whatever day it was. And I, you know, I said, I'm free. I'm not gonna be doing anything. Uh, and so he said that the surprise was happening. and. I just didn't want to let my taser uterus get in the way of this like we'd only been dating for three months this was like the first like cute surprise in my only serious relationship and i was like no i'm not gonna let my vagina get in the way of this so he came over to my apartment dressed in a tuxedo at this point i was wearing uh what is it sweatpants i was wearing sweatpants with <laughs> Cuffs on the bottom, you know, not even deformed sweatpants, you know? And so at that point, I put on the loosest fitting dress that I owned, which I accidentally got in the maternity section of old baby. So it really out. And then he and I, so, and then he told me, he told me we were going to the opera. I have never been to the opera. Even now, I can't tell you where we went. It's wherever the only place you can go to see the opera is in New York. <laughs> it was going to be a three-hour event. It was Carmen. I also don't know anything about Carmen, but I knew I was going to be sitting for three hours. It was so sweet of him, but also like, man, I wish he had known that this was going to happen because it just really felt like someone had punched me in the cervix. Um, and I was also walking like this. It was very sad, you know, I was just hunched over, just kind of clutching my maternity dress tummy. Um, and so, we took a cab there. I'd never been to an opera, or I guess it was an opera house. You guys know what I'm talking, the Metropolitan. The metropolitan. <laughs> <laughs> metropolitan, is that what it's called? Yeah. Whatever it's called. It was beautiful, was beautiful. I've never been there. It was just beautiful and red and there were curtains and lighting and we sat (laughs) down and I couldn't believe that my boyfriend had done this really sweet thing for me Um, and then I took his hand and then I fell asleep. So I think I came in and out probably four times you know I heard I heard a few familiar songs Um. but the most important part is everybody that I'm not pregnant, and I never did get pregnant, and now I won't get pregnant, at least for five years. You know, that's the most important thing to me, you know, and if Donald Trump is listening to this or the GOP, I will not be your handmaiden, okay? That's how I feel. Um, Yeah, so that's my story.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, I seriously want musical instruments every single time we record. I'm sure our audience does not. (laughs) You can find Anita on Instagram and Twitter at Anita Jutina. Such a fun handle. I love it. All right, next up is a little bit more from Auntie and how she feels about Trump's current press secretary.
1: Dad, I can't stand the one that's on now.
0: Her name also starts with an S. Oh, here we go again.
1: I can't stand her. I think she's the best liar I have ever at.
0: She's also SS now that you think about it, which is also this sort of is interesting, SS. SS. I know. Oh, and then he, fake news, that's how they mm-hmm. did it in uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. So What's her name? Sarah? Sarah Huckabee. Huckabee. Huckabee? Huckabee.
1: Huckabee. 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 What's her, What's her name? last She's name?
0: She's got three Fresh names. Stretcher <laughs> <laughs> Here's one. Uh, KFC. What's the colonel's last name? KFC. Colonel I can't remember. This is not over the net. This is what happens when you get to be my age. That's okay. Never, I've never, i never been a detailed person. Never. No, but what's those her names name? You would think. What is her? Sanders. Oh, for God's! Oh, Colonel Sanders.
1: You know that's not chickens, pigeon.
0: Before we get into this next segment, I just have to do a little bit of music. I can I can just imagine riding the train and hearing this, and I was like, "Is she like, is she banging on a drain pipe?" Like, what? It's not a drain pipe. I am the proud holder of a cowbell. This is my first time playing, as you may have figured out. <laughs> I am no Christopher Walken, but man, this feels good. I've got a drumstick and a cowbell. And I've got Alex, and we are good to go with the rest of this episode. So, um, Auntie was just talking about uh, how KFC serves pigeon. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not the case. But I don't know if you know this, Alex, but it is considered a delicacy in Egypt.
2: It's, it's because they don't have as many as we have in New York. <laughs>
0: uh, that's so true. Um, now, Alex, you said something earlier that I thought was really funny, which is um, in response to Auntie. Talking about the two press secretaries that Trump's had. Do you remember what you said? <laughs> and guessing their names that came back to Saul and Swartz. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, how she's always bringing it back to the Heeds. That's right, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I promise every episode won't be like this, but let me tell you when you've got all these musical instruments at your disposal, it is fun! All right. Now, if you like Auntie and you think she's funny, and let's be honest, a lot of us do, uh, we've got more videos with her, including a Yiddish video, a Mr. Softy video, and I don't mean the ice cream truck. Hey-oh. Hey-oh. And our most recent Oi to the World video, and so many more. We have been doing these Oi to the World videos for years. And basically, the way that it works is that I ask her about all the things that made her say Oi Ve over the course of the year. 2017 was hands down one of the funniest we've ever made. And you can check out all of those videos and all of the hilarity on our site at yumsawordshow.com slash auntie. Next up is the creator of the Subway Therapy Project, Matthew Chavez, who moonlights as Levy when he's doing Subway Therapy. It is this super cool project that he started here in New York City where people write down how they're feeling on sticky notes and then they post them on walls daily in the subway. Now, he started it in 2016 and it totally picked up steam in the days following the presidential election. That's in fact how I met him because I talked to everybody. And um, at our November show, I interviewed Matthew about the inspiration behind the project, the most shocking things people have written on those post-it notes, and the subway passage known as the poop tunnel.
2: So before the election I was an idiot and <laughs> I was riding on a motorbike in Indonesia like many white people. And <laughs> I crashed because I, and I was wearing flip-flops. So I messed up my foot. I had about three weeks in a Korean hospital. I couldn't come to America because it was too expensive. I didn't have health insurance, so I went to Korea. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of time to think about pain and isolation and all the you know, all the, the bad things that people think about and what they do when they don't have support of their family. And so I wanted to see if I could design an experience that would invite people to participate and uh, feel better about the stuff they feel bad about. So I started uh, by having a sign that said Seeker Keeper. And then eventually, I talked to this one woman in particular who, who uh, sat down and said, you know, I don't need to, like, tell a secret, or I had a, I had a book of secrets at the time people would write it, and she said, I just want to, like, talk, is that okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. She goes, I fucking hate my boyfriend's ex-wife.
1: <laughs>
2: and I fucking hate my boyfriend's best friend, who's a girl who we slept with. I just don't like it. She looked at me expectantly and I said, well, I fucking hate him too.
1: <laughs> and
2: we had a great conversation. At the end of it, she's relaxed and She goes, man, this is great. This is like therapy. And I said to myself, I should get a suit. <laughs> and that's what I did. I, I, I didn't get this suit in particular, but this is from a thrift store. And I've worn a brown suit with this tie every single time that I've gone to the subway. And I I set up this project so that people could sit and uh, talk with me about whatever with some wall art and a certificate of achievement that's from the dollar store. (laughs) (laughs) And I did that for about seven months leading up to the election until I wanted to reach a broader audience because everyone was melting down the next day on the ninth, And uh, I brought sticky notes. And around 50,000 people have written on sticky notes uh, in about a month. so after that and traveled internationally since that was the genesis of the project
0: and so you were in two locations primarily right
2: yeah so i was at 14th street 6th avenue which i don't know have you guys ever been through the tunnel that connects the one two three and the l train yeah Uh, so so this one woman recently that i was talking to said you know what i call this tunnel and i was just doing so there. And i said no what do you call it she goes i call this the poop tunnel One time and I saw this poop. And when I smelled it, I knew that it was not animal poop. <laughs> it's just something about human poop. Just know. And, and, and that's an unfortunate knowledge that New Yorkers have.
0: Uh-huh. People don't have. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had that happen in the subway as well. Uh, it was Did like poop? it was poop. Yeah. Yeah. It was on the platform at 42nd Street. And for like weeks, I would smell it on the uptown. And I was like, "I smell Jesus." <laughs> and every day I go through there, and I have to switch over from the one, two, three to the NR. And I went, I went, I went up to a booth, and I said, "Excuse me, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware." She's like, well, I know what you're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now I will, Why do you call it PT? Putum. Yeah, the
2: PT. So I started in the PT, <laughs> and then. Uh, it, it spread, it was in a lot of different news stations, and because of that, there was some really lucky confusion and people showed up, you know, people, the, the news station said, oh, it's at 14th Street. So a lot of people showed up to volunteer, but they showed up at 14th Street Union mm-hmm. Square, mm-hmm. which is obviously what you would be talking about if you said sure. 14th Street. Sure. And uh, it was really beautiful, that's actually an image of, of the, the wall at 14th Street. Yeah. Uh, and it was beautiful and amazing i i'm so thankful that so uh, did anybody in here write a sticky note
0: yeah yeah awesome
2: yeah. awesome you well, guys tell them
0: how we met
2: yeah so i was in 14th
0: street
2: 6th avenue in the pt in the
0: pt <laughs> <laughs> and
2: uh amongst lots of other people i talked to that day Rob walked up to uh, my office in the subway, <laughs> and uh, we started a conversation. She gave me a uh, uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener miniature car. What's you guys that? know what I'm talking what about? The whistle? Uh-huh. Yeah, so she gave me one of those and had her information on it, and uh, I, I remembered that when she messaged me to be on the show. I was so excited to be here. I'm so Today. thrilled to have you
0: here. So have there been any, like, crazy or unexpected things? I mean, not that you could expect Anything is—I would imagine—is surprising with a project like this. But was there anything like that completely blew your mind? Um, so,
2: there were a lot of surprising things about the project. You know, like like protesters coming down, like getting really mad at me because I wasn't doing enough, because it was you know whatever. And then and then I had you know a variety of different people that were mad at me for different things. Because when I'm doing the project, I'm politically neutral for the most part. And uh, so, you know, people on both sides were, like, really angry. And uh, actually, as I was taking down the notes, I had this really strange experience. Uh, this is on Friday, uh, December 16th, and the MTA had partnered up with me and uh, the New York Historical Society and, and the Governor's Office, and all these players were involved, and uh, we were taking down all of the notes, and a few of them from those entities showed up, and they, and they, they took down the notes uh, for a couple hours, and then I was there, basically by myself, taking down tens of thousands of notes from, from Union Square to preserve them, just, and they're sitting in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell people, you people are like, what did you do with the notes? And I always say, uh, oh, I, make a, I made a bed out of them, and they're, kind of and they're like, It's amazing, I sleep on all the hopes, and dreams, and fears, of notes. <laughs> that's not what I do, they're, they're in boxes. And there was this crazy moment where I realized the power of the mob mentality because I was taking them down and this one woman was really upset about it. And this is, you know, people really liked this project. And it was like I had taken her cookie away and she was really mad. And she was going, you can't do this. You can't take it down. This is like the people's project. And I was like, well, if I don't, then it's eventually going to turn into trash and and it's not going to be there for people to see ever you know, it's gonna be ephemeral, which is nice. It can be ephemeral, but also safe. And she was like, no, MTA is supposed to be helping you, you know, take this down, why aren't they here? And I was like, why aren't they here? <laughs> and, and, and all the while, there's like this crowd forming around this woman who's yelling at me, and, and I'm trying to defend myself. And, and different people are starting to kind of like say different things, either supporting or defending, or whatever it was. And then like all of a sudden there was this guy out of the crowd who was either homeless or just a really dirty kid that lived in Williamsburg, <laughs> and, and you know, like, this woman's going, rah, 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 and then this guy goes, yeah, what about the bathrooms? Yeah, a woman the bathroom's in the subway, where I my to go to the bathroom? <laughs> and like, other people were like, yeah, what about the bathroom? Yeah. Moment where I felt like I was doing the right thing, and there was this crowd of forty people who were like really mad that <laughs> I closed the bathroom.
0: <laughs> but that was not in the poop talk.
2: It wasn't in the poop talk.
0: <laughs> do you have um, a favorite sticky note or a favorite message on a sticky note? I'm sure it's hard to choose. Like it is one yeah. of your favorites, or do you have a few favorites you
2: could share with the crowd? Yeah. So um, I. The one favorite that I really enjoy that I think captures a, a, the way that a lot of people were feeling at the time was, um, "I don't understand, but I will try. We need each other," and I think that particular note showed up in the first few days and uh, at at least my station in the PT. I would. Take the notes down every day, and I bring them back and put them back up the next day. So I would—I saw it for like two weeks, every day almost. It's like an old friend. And I really think that people are very divided right now, and they have a hard time interacting with each other. And people don't really understand how to communicate, even with the people who are really close to them. But I think it is really important to try, and we do need each other. So that's one of my favorite notes. My other favorite note is. Uh, you know, I thought a lot of people would draw wieners, (laughs) and they didn't, they really didn't. This This is, you know, like random people in New York being able to write or draw whatever on sticky notes, and like there just weren't more wieners, I was really surprised. And so I was in a gallery doing a recreation of it, and... Someone came in and drew a wiener and it was, it was you know, it, it was like a nice, you know, like they had rendered it <laughs> and, and, and I, I was like, wow, they really put in some work. It was amazing because there was some writing next to it and it said, I just came here to draw this, but you know, keep your chin up, kiddo. <laughs> You know, did he hear about it online? I mean, this guy walks into this gallery with all these sticky notes and he sees what it is and he's like, I've got to draw a dip. <laughs> and the next thought he has after like reading some is like, I better write something inspirational too. <laughs> so, those are my two favorites. Oh,
0: that's okay. Matthew has copies of the book. copies of the book. Can you tell us a little bit about the book, and then we're going to have
2: you uh, read our math right? Uh Basically, it's a collection of sticky notes that I thought were really interesting, interesting.
0: and fun. I know they have a collection of some of your favorites from around the world. Or is it primarily focused? They are on primarily
2: New York? just from New York, in uh, 14th Street, Sixth Avenue, and also some from Union Square. It's kind of like a best of. And it's organized thematically, so it's not just about the election, but about the human experience and about this thing that we share together.
0: I'm going to try to do a little music underneath my VO. What is this instrument I'm playing? Clave. Clave, C-L-A-V-E. That was Matthew Levy Chavez. You can follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Subway Therapy and find him in the New York City subways. I can't do two things at once, so we're going to stop this. (laughs) <laughs> actually I can but this I found distracting uh, you can also get a copy of his book which I have read it's awesome it's called Signs of Hope Message from Subway Therapy on Barnes & Noble IndieBound and of course Amazon alright as you may know we have been on a little bit of a hiatus from the live show but you can find out when our next show is by signing up for our mailing list at yumswordshow.com slash guest list or follow us on social at yumswordshow Also, you may have heard that we teach storytelling for business workshops called Storytelling Fun 01. I'm dropping drumsticks. (laughs) Now, if you think this podcast is fun, you can only imagine how much fun taking a storytelling workshop with me and my co-teacher is. We have such a good time in these workshops, and we're going to start teaching storytelling workshops for individuals. It is such a great skill to have for interviews, presentations, selling an idea through, connecting with colleagues and clients, whatever you need. I truly think it's an invaluable skill. So if you, your company, or your organization are interested in learning how to tell your own stories, you can check out all of the details at yumsawordshow.com slash workshops. Also, if you like what you hear on our podcast, particularly today with all of these fun instruments, thank you so much, Alex. Such a good time. Please share with your friends and be sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes. It only takes a couple of minutes and it helps boost our ratings so much and it helps other people learn about the show. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton. James Beer wrote our new music, and the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Carly Patron, Jen Waring, Zach Schusterman, Katie Riley, and of course, Auntie. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. I'm Alex Fulton. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And until next time.
1: (laughs) You know, that's not chickens, pigeon. (laughs) Yum's the
0: one.